Hi, I'm Jason, the creator of The Grey Rooms. Well, the end is finally upon us. We finished our first season, and it was amazing. We learned so much every single day, and we are truly grateful for the support we received. And, you know, we felt it only proper to thank our patrons. So, this season and the final episode are brought to you by the following patrons in alphabetical order. Adam, Allison Brandt, Amy Nikolai, Arthur Unk, Austin Furman, Brad Bone, Brian Black, Brooks Bigley, Cassie Pertit, Kaylee Tolls, Charlotte Norrup, Debbie Furr, Denise Pinto, Elizabeth Dowell, Godzilla Eyes, Hale Scherf, Isabel Diedrichs, Jacqueline Coles, Jake Hauser, Jake Ivey, Jason Porras, Remy, Jim Powell, J.M. Scherf, John, John Grills, Joseph Holliday, Justin Thulu, Kathleen Clyde, Kelly Fenner, Kelly Bear, Lucas Hibbard, Maggie Rogers, Michael Beckwith, Michael Velez, Patrick Mealy, Patrick Stewart, Rachel Lamb, Rael Bruyette, Sarah Ruth Thomas, Scotty, Sergio Saucedo, Stephanie, Sybil McKinney. This is All I Got Podcast, Trig V. Christensen, and Victoria Wan. Thank you all for your support. And without further ado, They say that the Grey Rooms are about death and suffering. I didn't know how long I had been a prisoner in these rooms. Every day felt as if I had become someone new. Someone who was about to die. I experienced their tragedy and sorrow. I felt every ounce of their pain. And then I ended up here, through another door, just as every other door that I was forced to choose. But this one seemed different, personal. I was trapped in a cell, and everyone knew my name. Raymond Alexander Green. This wasn't someone else's story anymore. This door, I'm sure of it, was how I originally died. The man whose shoes I was now standing in was none other than me. I remembered who I was now. I remembered what it was that I did that was so terrible. I remembered being on death row. (laughs) 
Season 1, Episode 13. Everything ends. I just finished my final meal when I heard the sound of two men approaching. I was sitting on a metal-framed bed and contemplating a glimpse or two at the Bible. Two fat burger doubles, large order of onion rings, and a strawberry shake. Is that what I ordered last time? I struggled to remember what I had originally been thinking during this moment in my life. I couldn't. Unlike every person whose body I seemed to be intertwined with, this time my thoughts were my own. Mine. If I decided to scratch my head, I could. If I wanted to smash my face into the cell bars, I could. I was no longer in the back seat. I was in control. Why? That's what I couldn't help but wonder. Why? Was this another game? Was this some sort of experiment to see how I would react to my own death? The two men were peering into the cell at me now. One a warden, and the other a priest by the look of his uniform. I turned to the Bible again. Was I in hell? I had oftentimes wondered, but the devil didn't seem like the type to be so cryptic. If he had my soul to torment from a single breath to an infinity, wherever on the scale my sins were placed, you would think he would make it obvious. No, I I didn't think I was in hell, but my mind couldn't comprehend anything else that lay beyond the mortal coil. The truth was, I had been suffering for so long that I didn't know and maybe I didn't even care. Was there a way out? Raymond? The warden cleared his throat. throat) Father Tucker's here to uh, perform your last rites. I looked up towards the warden and nodded softly. It was two hours before I was going to be put to death. Two hours. The priest said nothing as he was led into the cell with me. I wondered for a second if I could lash out at him. What were they going to do? Kill me? But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to die. If the Grey Rooms had shown me anything, it was that death was nothing to fear. It was something that just happened. Like falling asleep. Sometimes it was painful. Sometimes it was scary. But after the things I had experienced, it no longer had power over me. I accepted, no, I embraced it. 
Beyond my cell, there were attendants recording my every move. Raymond took a piss at 8.05 a.m. Raymond sneezed at 9.17. These were my bitter memoirs. The priest made the sign of the cross and looked me over for a moment. The warden was nearby. A stoic appearance chiseled upon his face to complement his statuesque vigil. Raymond, you ask me here to perform your last rites. Is this still what you wish? I nodded. God may not approve of me asking this, but why? I married you two, Raymond. You and Lucy and- Things were different then, Father. I looked down at my hands and felt hot, wet drops fall upon them. I messed things up. <laughs> your own child, Raymond. I couldn't look him in the eye. I, I know, Father. I know. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I kept trying to find work. Bills, she was pregnant. Things were so hard. Father, please, you have to believe me. I, I didn't mean to do it. I swear to God, I didn't. <laughs> I felt Tucker's hand on my shoulder. I could feel the resistance and I knew that this was hurting him. He wanted to see me suffer for what I did to Lucy. And my son. He didn't even have a name. My God. I didn't even get to give him a name. That... Let us pray, Raymond. If the Lord sees fit to grant you mercy, his will shall be done. I closed my eyes, bowing my head to pray to a god that I knew wasn't there. This had already happened before, and there wasn't a god in the universe that saw fit to save me. O oh, Father in the heavens, hallowed be your name. We stand before you this day pleading for Raymond Green's soul. He has admitted to his sins and seeks repentance. We know of your glorious wisdom and mercy, Father, and recognize you as the final judge presiding in the trial of life and ask that, if it be your will, that you will please read this man's heart and forgive him of his actions. Father Tucker paused for a moment. His grip on my shoulder squeezed tighter now. There is no forgiveness for you, Raymond. You're going to feel pain, and you're going to die. This is not how the story goes. You didn't speak to the priest. You whimpered and cried like a child forced to sit in the corner. My eyes popped open, and I stared at Father Tucker. Something wasn't right. That wasn't Father Tucker, despite it coming from his voice. Bob, I whispered. There was no answer coming from the priest. His eyes were affixed to my own, piercing them with a terrifying trance-like gaze. God is good, he muttered continually. God is, God is great. Father God Tucker. Is good. God is great. Father? I snapped my fingers. God is good. God is great. Hey! God is good. What the hell is the matter God with you? God is great. Hey! Amen. Tucker concluded. His brow was covered in a blanket of sweat, and he wiped it with his black sleeve. For the record, Raymond, I am heartbroken. I have no 
known Lucy since she was just a little girl. And you, I... Saying that I expected better of you just seems so hollow. The warden approached and unlocked a cell so that Father Tucker could leave. I sat down on the cot and buried my face in my hands. These doors that I had been going through had always felt surreal, but none as bad as my own personal demise. If I didn't speak to the priests last time, what were they trying to do? Allow me to see all angles of how much of a piece of shit I was? Raymond, one more thing. Tucker called out. I struggled to look at him. I might have accepted my death, but I hadn't quite found a way to live with the shame that I felt. I deserved this. How does anyone find a way to put that behind them? It's a good thing you never ate that birthday cake. I squatted and took a hot, steamy shit in it. <laughs> Laughter. Father Tucker's eyes bulged and his grin stretched ludicrously wide as he roared the laughter of a madman. He grappled the bars and pressed his face against a cold steel. You're going to fry, you piece of shit. You're going to fry. And you don't even want to know what I'm going to do to your smoking corpse. The warden grappled the priest and tried to pull him away from the bars. But Father Tucker was humping his crotch against him and moaning at every point of contact. Lucy! Oh, God, Lucy. Give it to me. Give it to me. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, God, yes. Stop it! I growled. Stop it! I leapt up from my seat and tried to stop him. The warden had gained control of the situation and slapped his baton against the bars as a warning for me to keep back. I stared at the two men, shocked and terrified. That wasn't Father Tucker. That wasn't Bob. Deep down, I remembered the feeling of someone else. The person who brought the cake into my cell. The person who laughed as they pushed me down to my knees on my birthday. I couldn't move. I couldn't open my eyes and see. There must have been some sort of trauma caused by that moment because I felt the same paralysis that I felt then. All I could do was watch Father Tucker as he touched himself and moaned while the warden cursed and dragged him away. I had thought that I had been conditioned to die by whatever these rooms had in store. But something about this situation felt off. It filled me with a sense of dread I hadn't experienced in any of the people whose situations I had taken part in. In my own shoes, I felt like there was someone trying to muck around and make it worse. There had to be something that I could do. The blinds were raised, and I stared into the witness room as officers began to strap me in. There were a lot of people that wanted to watch me die. Lucy's parents had front row seats, 
I saw their eyes, puffed and watering from the heartbreak that would never end. Her father, George, used to invite me to play golf with him. I was terrible at the sport, but he would always be so patient. It was the same sort of patience that he exercised now in shrugging off the ancient primal lust for violence that filled all men. Hate burned in his eyes. Everyone's eyes, really. There wasn't a level in hell low enough for me. They would tear me to shreds with their bare hands if they could get through that glass. Wet sponges felt cool against my skin. I was wearing a gray uniform. A uniform that I had grown very familiar with as of late. The men were done with the straps now. It seemed to take an eternity for them to finish buckling me down into the chair. Blindfold? I shook my head at the officer. I didn't want a blindfold. Did I accept one before? I couldn't remember. But this time... This time, I would look everyone in the eye. I would let them see what I saw in my last moments. The metal headpiece was coming now. A wet sponge was placed on top of my shaved head. My heart decided to wake up and run a marathon in my chest. My lungs ached and I found it hard to breathe. Jesus Christ, they're going to murder me in front of all these people. I didn't even do it. I didn't murder Lucy. That was a long time ago. I forgot. I I'm different. I didn't murder her. It's not me. In a panic, my eyes rapidly scanned the room. There was George again, patient as always, while awaiting my death. Caroline, Lucy's mom, who mouthed an obscenity at me for taking away not only her child, but her grandson. I saw Aaron and Mike from the anniversary that I remembered. They both stared down into their laps, refusing to see me. They don't want to look me in the eye and remember that I wasn't always a monster, I thought. Further back in the rows of witnesses, things got a little strange, and I suspected that it was my mind playing tricks on me. Cherry was seated with her father. She raised a fork to me and laughed gaily in the moment. Private Bowler was there, and fortunately for him, there wasn't a rat lodged in his face. I saw the sister of the girl in the coma. She had put her sister to sleep, and now she was there to see me off as well. That bitch really hates her sister, I thought, suspecting that she wanted nothing left of her, not even the memories that I took with me. A rocking chair with the ghost of a bitter old woman was placed in the middle of the room. She was sewing something. Probably her wedding dress. While looking up at me occasionally with a smile. It's like 
Everyone and everything that I had experienced hated my guts. The strangest thing was seeing the gardener from when I was trapped in the hotel. And the gardener that was trying to take over my farm seated together. The monster poured some of his magic weed water into the shotgun suicide's head. And I watched as vines started to pull the flesh together and mend his wound. They laughed and embraced and then focused on me as the metal headpiece was placed upon my cold, wet head. I didn't want them here. I didn't want them to mock and gloat. I already died so many times. And here was everyone who thought I was a piece of shit my entire life and all the lives I have lived since. Why were they here? Why did they have to be here? I heard the thrum of electricity. The single bulb above me erupting in light as bright as the sun. 2,000 volts, 15 seconds. That's what they were going to shove into my body to stop my heart. Quick and painless. Followed by a lower voltage for 20 more seconds that would damage the rest of my internal organs. 35 seconds. It wouldn't be long now. I was strapped in. Helmet on. Good to go. Time to take a rocket to the moon, baby. Bye-bye, and off we fly. Didn't even have a name. I was staring at my son's grandparents again when it hit me. He never took his first breath. He never learned how to ride a bike. Never got to watch a movie or share a first kiss. I... I killed him. I killed him. He never had a chance. Never had a birthday. I never even got to see him smile. The world around me was a blur. I felt and heard the discharge of static around me. I couldn't blink the tears away fast enough. I couldn't move my arms to wipe my eyes. This goddamn world that I was in was all fake. It already happened. It wasn't real. I don't want to go through this again. I want to see my son. I want to see my wife. I want to see my son! There was a moment when everything blacked out. I thought that the switch had been pulled and I was already dead. So that was it then. The curtains were drawn. I would be returning to my cell in the gray rooms. Bob would be there with his twisted little souvenirs and poetry. It seemed so long ago when I desperately wanted to understand where my wife and child were. Bob was reluctant to tell me, and now I knew why. There was no coming back from the truth. No way to forget. Death was no longer an option. I wasn't dead. 
I'm not sure when the darkness faded back into light. But I know that I was lost in my thoughts when suddenly I realized I was standing on the sidewalk in a town that I had lived in almost all my life. The sun lit a perfectly blue sky. Birds could be heard hidden in hedges and trees surrounding me. A pigeon tilted its head awkwardly after landing not far from my sneakers. Sneakers! I wasn't dressed as a prisoner anymore. I took a few steps forward, mouth gaped and surprised, and the bird quickly flew off with a start. There were people walking along the street, traffic lights and cars stopping at them. I was free. This was some kind of trick, I thought. Some sick and twisted trick like they always pull on me. It was pretty damn elaborate though, I had to admit. I was about to cry out to Bob that he was going to have to do a lot better than that when I felt my back pocket vibrate. I reached around and felt a cell phone tucked within. I brought it before my eyes and stared dumbly at the lit screen. Lucy was calling. Lucy, my wife. I knew better. I knew something bad would happen. They told me she was dead. Hell, they were about to execute me for killing her. I knew it wasn't her. I knew it. But I didn't care. I wanted it to be her so bad. Hello? What? Earth to Raymond? It's only your son's birthday today, mister. Snap out of it. I hesitated. My heart had grown so calloused in the rooms and I wanted to scream at her. I wanted to open up the Pandora's box of curse words in my repertoire and really let those assholes have it. But the sincerity in her voice, and hell, the fact that it was her voice at all compelled me to play along. She said it was my son's birthday. My son. He was alive. An idea came to me, and I thought I had them this time. Lucy. Hey, can I talk to him? Just for a second? Ray? You sound shaken up. What's going on over there? It's... it's nothing, honey. Please. I really just need to hear his voice right now. I get it. I miss him too sometimes. I can see why men don't let the world know they can be sentimental too. Jeez, it's so damn weird. I was shaking. The whole world continued to pass me by. I heard an airplane slowly fly overhead. I smiled as two colorful parachutes suddenly appeared floating like dandelions in the wind. I saw a squirrel run up a tree. I could smell gyros being cooked on the rotisserie in a food truck parked nearby. My nose started to run and I wiped it with my sleeve. 
my son. Surely. They couldn't. Hi, Daddy. My heart, just as the world spun quickly around me, it crashed to a halt when I heard his voice. My lips quivered. My eyes stared wide at everything in front of me. But don't ask me what I saw, because I didn't see a damn thing. My son. I had never heard his voice, and I realized that it was because of me that he never had the chance to speak. How was he on the phone? What a heartless bullshit was this? I didn't know how to answer. I didn't even know what to call him. But if this was the only chance I had to listen to my son's voice, I wasn't going to live with myself knowing I was too scared to answer. I, I, I love you, son. I love you so much. Daddy loves you so much. You understand me? Daddy loves you so much. All right, give me the phone, hon. I could hear Lucy taking the phone off him now. Here, talk to Daddy. Give me the phone. I clenched a fist around the phone. No, damn it. Don't make him go away. Don't take him away. He did, too. He's a growing man, just like his father. Ate all the pancakes. He wanted a pancake for every year, you know? So I made five little ones. Don't want to have to feed him rice cakes for year six, right? <laughs> Lucy, God, I miss you. I'm so sorry. Sorry for what? Leaving me with the little rascal? Nah, it's okay. Actually, about that. Do you think you can pick up an ice cream cake or something? Betty Crocker, I ain't. I think the oven gave birth to the world's largest hockey puck. Yeah, yeah, sure. So he's five. Okay. What's he like uh, for his birthday? Wow. Did you hit your head before leaving the house or something, Ray? I don't know. We already got him presents. But you wanted to find something extra special for him. Your words, not mine. Right. Something special. Okay. Ah, oh, shit. All right, I gotta go kiss a boo-boo. Love you, babe. See you soon. Oh, Lucy, don't. She was gone. The world resumed its motion, and I started moving with it. Stuffing my hands into my pockets and whistling a happy tune, I was well on my way to finding the toy store. I couldn't believe that I had just spoken to my son and Lucy. Hearing her voice set my heart aflame. There was a skip in my step and I wanted to scream out to the world about how happy I was. Every old movie where men swung around lampposts while singing in the rain had suddenly become true. I wanted to do all of those things. I wanted to pluck Lucy up off the ground and hold her tight. I wanted to feel the warmth of her body against mine. I wanted to see the love reflected in her eyes. Poetry. 
I would even come up with new poems about dinosaurs for her. Anything for her. And who knew? Maybe my son liked dinosaurs. And maybe I'd be able to buy him the biggest, plushiest dinosaur of them all. I wanted them to be happy. I wanted to be happy. I wanted us all to be the family that we were supposed to be. I guess I was too busy daydreaming when I nearly marched over a man on the street. His shoulder collided with mine. Hard. I took a few steps back and mumbled an apology. You shouldn't be here, Raymond. The collar of his jacket was up, and he held his hat down as if he was a detective in an old noir movie. I wondered how he knew my name, but shrugged it off. I had lived here for a while, I remembered. There's probably nothing more than that. I continued to walk the main drag of town and passed the Summer Child Cafe. Lucy loved getting iced coffees there, and I beamed wide at the thoughts of being able to take her there again. The weather was so nice that it wasn't surprising to see a small crowd of people seated outside the building. They sat at tables under the shade of umbrellas suspended overhead. A woman, seated nearby, looked at me and frowned. You shouldn't be here, Raymond. There was another woman seated across from her drinking a coffee. She turned to me and said, He's coming. He's going to kill you, Raymond. You're going to die, Raymond. My pace down the street started to quicken now. The people seated at the cafe were all staring at me. I didn't see one blink, but I also wasn't about to take the time to stop and look. You're going to die, Raymond. They all knew me. He's coming. You shouldn't be here. They all warned me. I could hear a chorus of them behind me now. Everyone on the block. People leaned their heads out windows. People screaming from within their cars. Children playing in the park. I passed other familiar stores, look-alike salon, where Lucy got her hair and nails done. Ground-level hardware, where I once had to buy some putty to fix the wall where I threw something at it. I wanted to feel relieved by all of these sights for sore eyes, but every time I encountered someone, it seemed as if they had a lecture, or warning, or just plain had it out for me. What are you doing, Raymond? I had just made it to fairy tale fashion when a little girl in a princess dress stood right in front of me with her arms folded. You're not supposed to be here. So they tell me. I sighed. <sighs> Maybe you can tell me why. You're breaking the rules. You're not supposed to break the rules. That's why we have them. You must go back or he'll find you. You won't like it, Raymond. You won't like it if he finds you. I can't help it if he finds you. Bob? You're gonna die, Raymond. 
one way or another, you're making a terrible choice. Across the street, there was a boarded-up building with fading graffiti that read DJ Brooks on one end. I smiled as I saw exactly what I was looking for beside it. A clean, white building whose door was supported by two colossal pillars. Toy Box Boutique. You want to come, Bob? I'll buy you a doll or something. Poetic justice, don't you think? Raymond, I'm trying to help you. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get my son something for his birthday. So, do me a favor. Stop creeping me out, alright? Stop making all those people talk to me. Bob warned me one last time as I crossed the street. I tuned him out with thoughts of what I could get my son. I reached along my opposite side and discovered a wallet. I found $60 in cash and noticed a few credit cards as I made it to the other side and approached a door. My driver's license bore the same address where Lucy and I had always lived. Was this some alternate reality where I, I, I didn't mess up? It felt as if I was Ebenezer Scrooge being showed different timelines from ancient Christmas spirits. A bell rang as I entered the door. The Toy Box Boutique didn't have the warehouse look that some modern toy stores had with their metal shelves and wire racks. This store had stained wood floors and rustic walnut shelves. I could see rocking horses that looked as if they had been carved by hand and faceless dolls that looked like the kind sold by the elderly in county fairs. There was a warmth emanating from this place. There were no Playstations or Xboxes here. I glanced at baseballs and gloves, considering how great it would feel to play catch with my son. There were sections of children's books, and I was reminded how I had always wanted to read him The Hobbit. Lucy said my head was in the clouds. It's all that I could do when I lost my job. I doubted I would find The Hobbit in the children's book section, and I moved on to the stuffed animals. I heard a voice nearby and realized that I hadn't seen anyone working in the store. Thinking that they would have some good ideas for me, I searched for the voice, but didn't find anyone around me. Oh, please, mister. Please, oh, please. I'll make your son or daughter happy. I know I will. If you just give me a chance. Oh, no. You turned around. They always turn around. Don't you realize that we'll be best friends? I'm not like that stupid cowboy on the top shelf with the dopey smile. That goofy spaceman's laser light wouldn't even interest a cat. I'm special, mister! I can move my arms! See? But no, you're not looking. They never look at me. I knew that voice. It brought a torrent of painful memories and chills that ran up my spine. The little girl with her abusive parents. I had been forced to watch them kill her. And that's when I got my revenge. No, no, th that wasn't right. 
It wasn't me that cut the bad parents to pieces. I wasn't the one whose fur was soaked in blood. It was the eyes of the teddy bear that I was forced to see through. And as I slowly turned my head in the direction of the voice, I saw the same sad, tormented creature whose experiences I knew all too well. The teddy bear looked pitiful. I could see jagged stitches across its furry little body. It looked as if it had been through hell. My eyes watered as I suddenly approached it. I could taste the salty water on my lips. I had no way to communicate with this poor, wretched thing, but I knew deep down that it was beautiful. He... he turned around. He's looking at me. He's looking right at me. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Why is he looking at me? Are those tears? Yes, I told the bear. I know your pain. <gasps> the teddy bear covered its little mouth. He can understand me. No one understands me. How is this happening? What's going on? Is he going to buy me? Oh, is he going to take me away from this place? I couldn't help but chuckle as I picked the bear up off the shelf. I placed it against my chest and softly stroked its back. No one will hurt you again, I promise. I'm going to take you to my son. It's his birthday. I know you'll be good to him. I know it with all my heart. The bear placed its little arms on me and gave me a hug. I could feel warmth from it, and I could still feel the pain and abuse that it had suffered from those horrible people. I gripped my teeth at the memories that the rooms had given me. The world was full of monsters that weren't immortal blood suckers or cosmic gods sleeping beneath the ocean. No. The monsters had faces of people that you knew. Mothers and fathers, neighbors, they no longer bothered to throw on the mask. They just hurt you. Again and again. I was one of them. Not anymore. You like that bear, do you? I let out a startled outcry as I heard another creepy and familiar voice. It belonged to the old woman that had once sold me a rocking chair. But not just any rocking chair. It came with her sister's dead ass. What do you want, lady? She looked taken aback. She clearly didn't recognize me. She wouldn't. I was inside a young woman who met a fiery demise trying to destroy that chair. The floorboards creaked as she leaned on her cane. Excuse me. I work here. Are you interested in the bear? You seem quite fixated on it. Oh, right. Yeah. I, I want the bear. A narrow smile crept upon her face. That will be fifty dollars. I took the cash out of my wallet and walked over to her counter to pay for my son's new friend. No refunds. You really are one shrewd old lady. What happened to your antique store? Sir, I assure you I have never run an antique store. Never had a sister die on her favorite rocking chair either? 
The woman slammed my receipt down on the counter and glared at me with a squinty stare. I hope your son enjoys the bear. Have a good day. I flashed a wink while tucking the bear under my arm and exited the store. I was so happy to leave that place after I discovered who was running it. It was strange having all these flashbacks of people and things that I had encountered in the rooms. I started to wonder if I had somehow died permanently, and this was the afterlife. It would have made sense if it wasn't for Bob's constant dire warnings. Maybe all of this was some sort of test to see if I deserved to go to heaven or hell. Maybe they wanted to see if I learned my lesson. I didn't see any pearly gates, and I didn't see any winged men in white robes, so I doubted it. Still, this was a hell of a lot better than what I had been used to. I was going to see my wife and son, and I had the teddy bear. I thought I'd never get out of there. Believe it, buddy. All right, so now we have to get a cake. Do you eat cake or anything? I mean, it's kind of unusual that you can move, so... No, I get by off the blood of innocent children. That's not funny. That's really not funny. Oh, I'm just kidding. It's kind of unusual that you can hear me, you know. Yeah, it's a long story, and... I was interrupted by the sound of tires squealing behind me. I turned and watched a car speeding down the center of the road. It was a black sedan, and the driver was waving at me as he pressed further down on the gas. My instincts forced me to jump out of the way as the car was gunning right for me. And I rolled onto the ground, scraping my arms against the concrete, wincing in pain. I realized I dropped Teddy, who was now letting out a grunt as it rubbed its little plush head. The world was running in slow motion again. The car plowed into a lamppost and the driver's head connected hard against the steering wheel. The horn was blaring. People screamed or, or cried and some rushed to the car to see if the man was okay. The hood of the car was smashed up and I could see thick plumes of gray smoke lifting up into the air. I slowly rose to my feet. I stared at the accident in front of me in shock. I plucked Teddy up off the ground and held it close while I approached the vehicle. I thought the man was dead, but slowly his arm grabbed the handle of the door and forced it open. He used the last of his strength and his hand flopped down over the side of the seat. Raymond! The man wheezed. I didn't hear what he said at first. He repeated it a second time. Raymond! I didn't know this man. Bob, is that you? Are you okay? It was a stupid question now that I think about it. It hadn't registered that this man had just tried to kill me. He had been waving and smiling when I saw him. He knew exactly what he was doing. 
God damn, Raymond. Holy shit. I've never did this before. This is what dying feels like. The sounds of sirens bleated in the distance. I took my eyes off the man for a moment to see what direction they were approaching. Probably. I'm kind of an expert by now, I replied. Was hoping I'd smash you between the posts there, he said. There was a deep gash across his head and blood cascaded down his face. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if I was you, Raymond, I'd run. He ran a hand across his bleeding face and stared at the blood for a moment. This brought a frightening cackle out of him. <laughs> I felt Teddy press into my body in fear, and I wanted to console it, but suddenly didn't have the will. His laugh reminded me of the one that came from Father Tucker. The driver stopped laughing suddenly and gave me a very hard and serious look. I'm gonna kill you, prick. I'm gonna enjoy it, too. I'm gonna kill your bear. I'm gonna kill your wife. I'm gonna kill your son. And I'm gonna kill you. And you know why, Raymond? You wanna know why I shit in your cake and I rubbed one out on your cage and I made your wife sing to all those doors? I couldn't move. It was him. I couldn't even budge a finger or just shift my foot in another direction. Answer me, Raymond, you piece of shit. I don't know. The driver let out a melodramatic sigh. <sighs> oh, well, I figured you were going to say something better than that. <laughs> well, uh, I see you started with holy shit oh 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 i'm dying i'm oh i feel it i feel it oh 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 glory i'm not sure how long i stared at the man's corpse his head was resting back against the seat blood still running over his face dripping down his chin there was a look of joy in his gaping mouth and wide, radiant eyes. When he died, it looked as if he had basked in every moment of it. Mister? Yeah, Teddy. I could barely focus on the bear. The ability to move had returned to my legs, and I started to force my body away from the place. Away from the incoming police and their entourage of ambulances, firemen, electricians, and tow trucks. I wish we could, little buddy. Our family is in danger. We have to help them. There wasn't a lot of time, now. I had to get to my family and protect them. But they were still too far away. And I didn't have a car. It always seems strange to see the methods of heroes in movies. There was the loner on a motorcycle. The band of warriors atop mighty horses. Some lucky bastards even had trains that could travel through time. I had ten dollars, and as I stepped off the curb, 
a bus in which to wage my war against evil. kept my eyes locked on every passenger that had come onto the bus. Any of them could be Bob, or the other guy, the he that was trying to kill me. No one ever had names anymore. Bob didn't have a name until I gave him one. The bear had never been called anything other than Teddy, and the guy trying to kill me didn't give me his name. And my son. No one had names. Just Raymond and Lucy. Thinking about Lucy compelled me to get my phone and give her a call. I wanted to make sure she was safe. I was about to press the call button when I was interrupted by the bear. Teddy was practicing the movement of its little arms and legs beside me as the bus started moving. Does your son like to play hide-and-seek? I think so. (laughs) The bear laughed and did a small handstand. Does he like to play Simon Says? Maybe. You don't really sound like you know much about your son. Yeah, you figured that out, huh? Why was that guy after them? Why is he after you? I didn't particularly want to answer that question. For one, its answer was long and complicated. And also, how would the bear feel if it discovered that I also killed my son? When it came down to it, I was eerily similar to the parents of the Teddy's little girl. The difference being that I was only just now remembering these things and desperately grasping for the chance that it meant I could start over somehow. I watched the passengers in front of me while I tried to come up with a simpler answer. I didn't want to lie. Maybe I could just say I didn't know. When it came down to it, how much did I? Really? I wasn't supposed to be here. I was supposed to be killed by the electric chair. But somehow, I ended up here and I could do whatever I wanted. If he wanted to kill me because I was breaking all the rules, that seemed to mean that perhaps there was a chance that I could live here. Happily, ever after. Raymond plus Lucy plus son plus sentient stuffed bear, right? So all I had to do was stop him. I survived the car crash, right? Raymond one, crazy man zero. I had this in the bag. I couldn't help but feel goosebumps creep up across my skin as a few rows up from me I noticed an old woman whose hair looked lopsided. I, I don't mean to say that her hair was casually tossed awkwardly to one side by the wind. It looked as if she had a wig. 
but it was the most dirty, mangy, and disgusting wig I had ever seen. I leaned my head to the side to try to get a better view. She was one big lady, and the hose she wore over her ham legs was torn in multiple places. Hairy, too. You could see long black hairs poking out of the thin fabric. I had a bad feeling about this person seated a few rows up from me. I felt danger and repulsion. I smelled death. I considered telling Teddy that we should get off when I felt a hand touch my shoulder. I looked up to see a young man in a hockey jersey. Can I have a seat? There's a million other seats, brother. Beat it. The young man's eyes narrowed and his words suddenly deepened into a voice I instantly recognized. I need to talk to you, Raymond. I gripped my teeth and scooted my ass towards the middle of the seat. You gotta be kidding me. Bob sat down, hockey jersey and all, beside me. He placed his hands neatly against his legs and straightened his back against the seat. He reminded me of a butler, if butlers dressed down with hockey attire and khaki shorts. I know what you're trying to do, Raymond. It's not going to work. You know what I'm trying to do, Bob. Really? I've told you I wanted to see my family how many times now? You're the one that's trying to stop me! Bob frowned. There was a sadness that stretched over his face. I wasn't sure if he was displeased by my statement or what he was trying to tell me. I'm not the one you must worry about, Raymond. The bear, my only companion through this madness, stopped playing with her hands and feet for a moment to recognize that Bob had joined us. Hi, I'm Teddy. Are you Raymond's friend? The two of us glared at the bear long enough for it to give a sad little sulk and wave its paw as if to say, Ah, fooey. The other guy. Who is he? He's called the Warden. He's responsible for all the doors in the Grey Rooms. Every room has a key, and each key is a burden that he must bear. You heard the keys when he approached you before, yes? I nodded. I heard the keys alright. Yeah? You did something to one of his rooms. Changed it. And now he is after you. So you're telling me that the best moments that I have ever had in life are in jeopardy because of this warden asshole? I don't think you should swear so much, Raymond. I don't think it's good for your son. The bear's right. It doesn't exactly set the best example. Shut up, Bob. Nobody asked you. My whole family is in danger and you're upset about my potty mouth? Jesus Christ! The bear cleared its throat. Jiminy crickets. I felt the bus come to a stop and watched as the big old woman a few rows up pulled on the cord that ran along the side. Even her hand was beefy. Flashbacks of a naked man leaning over the body of a young woman soon came to mind. He lifted up his neck and howled to the moon. I balled my fists. I had planned on calling my wife but now I realized I needed to call 911. This guy was a sociopath. He needed to be stopped. 
The man dressed as a woman and wearing the ragged scalp of an aged film star flashed the driver his bus pass and tapped his foot anxiously while waiting for the door to open. When it did, he started down the stairs and stopped for a moment to look right at me. He winked and showed off a toothy grin before finishing his descent. I stared in disbelief. That was Randall Wolf, Bob. We had to stop him. I thought you wanted to see your family, Raymond. It's starting to get late and... pity. It looks like we're out of time. What are you talking about, Bob? We're only a few stops from... I stopped speaking when it dawned on me that the bus never started up again. Bob. Bob, what's happening? I'm sorry, Raymond. He's here. For what it's worth, I was just trying to protect you. There was a scream. Teddy jumped in at seat and climbed up to my shoulders to try to see what was happening. The young man in the hockey jersey looked jolted by the scream as well. He tilted his head and looked at me for a second. Sup, man? Know what stop this is? I got up, squeezed past him, and stood in the center aisle. A middle-aged woman with long black nails and a cheetah print dress screamed again. She stabbed a finger towards the driver. I screamed along with her. The bus driver's body was convulsing. At first, I thought maybe he was suffering from epilepsy or maybe he had a heart attack or stroke. His body kept flopping like a fish that couldn't acclimate to breathing on land. His eyes had rolled into the back of his head and frothy drool leaked down his scraggly goatee. His mouth popped open. Legs started to peek out like little periscopes spying out the surface. More passengers were losing their minds. The driver suddenly stopped moving. Eight segmented legs pried themselves out of the driver's pie hole. The spider crawled down the corpse's body and started scurrying down the center aisle. I smashed it with my sneaker. The screaming stopped. The crisis was averted. The passengers seemed to join me in breathing a sigh of relief. Some freakish spider murdered a person. We could live with that. The rest of us were safe. Right? No. It was never so simple. The middle-aged woman was about to find out. Oh, the hell with this shit! Her flip-flop smacked off the bus floor as she started for the stairs. She wasn't about to try to use the lever by the bus driver to open the door. She started banging on the doors and tried to pry them open. I watched her acrylic nails as she struggled. I remembered when my wife would have her nails done and then have me open every can of cola in the house. I heard them snap as she desperately tried to force the door open. Help! She screamed. Help! I had wondered earlier if one spider was all it took to kill the bus driver. It turned out that it wasn't alone. The woman didn't notice that two more spiders crept out of the man's mouth. 
legs tapping on his molars and tongue. Two became ten. Ten became... a hell of a lot more than ten. It looked as if a pen exploded from inside the man's mouth and coated his entire body in glossy black ink. The woman grew tired and frustrated. She turned towards the driver, resting her back against the door of the bus. The last thing she knew, and the last thing most everyone on the bus knew for that matter, was that she screamed. Ah! It was that moment when the large blob of ink exploded into thousands of shards of death. Spiders were scurrying everywhere now. It didn't even take a second for the arachnids to launch themselves onto the middle-aged woman. She never uttered another scream. They were scuttling up her legs and beneath her dress and nipping at the chunky little black-tipped piggies exposed in her flip-flops. She was in panic, I think. Hyperventilating, or perhaps the venom had already taken effect. She slumped down and was buried in a trembling black mass that feasted upon her. Terrified passengers lost their minds as they rushed to the back of the bus. They smashed into each other, attempted to climb over bodies of those that had fallen or were knocked down, and, in effect, resembled a rubber band ball rolling towards the emergency exit in the rear. The spiders took advantage of the chaos and were crawling up their pant legs, biting into their fatty thighs to savor the flavor. I grabbed a messenger back left on a seat and stuffed Teddy into it. That whined. Yeah, me either. If you see any of those things try to climb me, can you get rid of them? Uh, sure. I'll just swap them with my little paws. I don't suppose you have a kitchen knife or anything. I'm better with those. I snorted while trying to crawl over the seats of the bus. An older Indian couple had managed to push out an emergency window and were beginning to crawl out. They managed to escape halfway when a younger couple grabbed their legs and started pulling them back in. Get back! The Indian man had said. He tried kicking at the couple. Get back! His wife managed to escape. The passengers were clawing at the man and trying to tear him away from the window so they could escape. The entrance was blocked by clawing hands and swinging arms. The man looked at me and I didn't see the same sort of desperation or fear that was in the eyes of the others. It was heartbreak. He had saved his wife, and humanity killed him for it. The exit was completely bottlenecked now. The spiders didn't take long to walk up the rows of seats. It didn't look like they used their legs at all. Just rolled right up and over as if they were on an escalator dialed up to ten. They crawled onto the napes of people's necks and over the backs of their hands. The screams and outcries continued again. People were jerking about wildly to try to shake off the spiders, but there were too many of them. The young man in the hockey jersey grabbed the messenger bag and I heard Teddy cry out as he kept trying to pull at it. I turned and saw his eyes bulging and his cheeks puffed out like a chipmunk. He swallowed them. His skin looked gray now, and I could see a ball in his throat growing as the little monsters ascended his esophagus as demons attempting to escape the pits of hell. Don't open your mouth, I growled. I'm going to kill you, Raymond, he mumbled. His mouth sounded like it was full of marbles. I could see legs starting to protrude from his lips, and he slurped them back down like black noodles. 
Better get to your family before I do. You bastard! I screamed. I'll kill you! No, Raymond! Don't! Look at him! Teddy was tugging on the bottom of my shirt and pointing at the hockey fan. The warden must have left him now. He stood there, paralyzed. For all I knew, the venom might have killed him dead in his tracks. But it didn't matter. If he opened his mouth, it would be over. I wouldn't get to my family. I wouldn't be able to protect them. I reached above for the emergency hatch on the roof of the bus. I turned a lever and pushed it up. I could see sunlight now. I felt a cool breeze against the perspiration of my face. How are we doing, Teddy? Uh, bad. I think everyone is dying. Can we go home now? Working on it! When I climbed the seat nearest to the exit, I felt the pressure of little legs crawling on my skin. Shivers and goosebumps coursed across my hot flesh as I waited for the bite. It never came. I looked down and saw that Teddy had snatched the spider up in its hands and held it at arm's length. Ew! 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 This is why no one buys ugly stuffed spiders! The bear threw it back as I grabbed the edges of the roof. My legs dangled for a moment, and Teddy helped swat at the things that were trying to leap upon me. I groaned as I hoisted myself up to the top of the bus. I did it. I panted for a breath or two, and then started to climb down to the asphalt below. We did it, Teddy. I breathed. We did it. Sunshine and rainbows, little bear. Just sunshine and rainbows. It was the longest trip home in my life. But in the end, my house stood before me. Bob wanted me to avoid this place. The warden wanted to kill me before I got there. Everyone had been trying to control my actions. But I prevailed. There were lilac bushes blossoming on each side of the door. I took in their sweet, heavenly scene. A feeling of peace and calm came over me. This wasn't just my home. This was my sanctuary. They wouldn't dare hurt me here. I don't know why I thought that as I marched up to the front porch and dug out my keys. What was it about keys and doors? One door led to torment, and the other to salvation. Was this a salvation? Had I finally succeeded in the challenge that the gray rooms had placed in front of me? I placed the key into the keyhole and unlocked my front door. My hand gripped the doorknob, and for a moment, I froze in fear. 
the warden said he was going to kill my family before he killed me. What if he had hurt them? What if I would go in there and see them already dead? My hand grew hot and sweaty. I felt the acid in my stomach floating up to my throat. In a way, I considered it might not be the worst scenario. The truth was, I wondered what I would even say to Lucy and my son. They seemed to know a lot more about me than I knew of them. The Raymond that lived in this place, it wasn't me. I was merely in Raymond's shoes, right? Like a doppelganger. This Raymond was a good man who didn't hurt his family. I might not have wanted to make that consideration before, but how much damage was I really doing here? They were happy and content. They loved me. Bob and the warden wouldn't want that. They wanted me dead, and they would probably do anything to make that happen. What were these rooms? I was changing them somehow. Were these the past or future or alternate realities or... Come on, Raymond. It's time to meet your son. That's what you wanted, right? I had forgotten Teddy was still in the messenger bag. I looked down at it and smiled. I'm scared, Teddy. I, I don't know what to say to them. It's been so long. Tell them that they're your favorite humans in the whole wide world. A smile appeared on my face. I don't remember the last time I had a reason to smile. It stretched so wide that it hurt the muscles in my cheeks. The bear had a point. I placed my hand on top of its head and scratched a fuzz between its ears. Thank you, Teddy. You know, I felt more humanity from you than I have in a very long time. This world doesn't deserve you. I'll keep you and your family safe. Don't worry, Raymond. I love you. Love you too, little buddy. I closed my eyes and sucked in a breath. This was the moment I had been anxiously awaiting for a long time. Ever since I heard Lucy's voice by the door. Ever since I started to remember times that we shared together and how beautiful she looked when she'd walk into the house. My hand was shaking. My heart beat heavily in my chest. Let's do this. I heard the sounds of cartoons as I stepped into the house. There were balloons taped to the wall and a large banner that read, Happy Birthday, in the living room. I took off my shoes and felt my toes spread out against the plush carpet. I exhaled a sigh of relief. Everything was both familiar and alien. In one corner of the room, there were boxes upon boxes of wrapped presents. I had no idea what we had gotten my son. They didn't feel as if they were mine. And I removed Teddy from the messenger bag and placed it down amongst them with a wink. It didn't matter, I thought. My personal gift to my boy was the best gift in the world. 
I couldn't wait until he discovered what it could do. He'd have so many questions, I thought. He'd wonder where the batteries went. No batteries, son. He'd wonder how it reacted to what he was saying. No computers, son. It was a special, magical bear. The stuff of dreams and legends. I had just turned my back to the gifts and looked out in front of me when my son came into view. There he was in the archway that separated the kitchen from the living room. He had a juice box in his hand and was slipping it dry when he saw me. I saw his brown eyes sparkle and a giant grin form on his face. Daddy! I fell to my knees and stretched out my hands for him. <laughs> I couldn't speak. My eyes burned and watered. My boy. My beautiful boy. Sandy hair scattered all across his head. Black Astro Conflict shirt. Little blue jeans. He had his mother's eyes. I swear, he, he had my nose. He was in my arms faster than I could blink. My body began to tremble and my eyes shut tight while I silently cried out all the joy in the universe that could no longer be bottled up inside me. Daddy, we were waiting for you. I know, son. I know. I'm so sorry I'm late. I'll never be this late again. I promise I'll always be here for you. I'll, I'll never leave you. I swear. Oh, God. I swear. I'll never leave you again. Honey, are you okay? Lucy came around the corner now and stepped into the living room. She had two birthday hats in her hands, and her initial smile upon seeing me turned to a look of worry. Did something happen on your way home? I kissed the top of my son's head and let him go and inspect the new present that I placed in the corner. I watched him for a moment, sniffling and wiping my nose with my sleeve. The bear didn't look like much. In fact, it would probably be terrifying to most adults. But to my son, I could see that there was an instant connection. Wow! My boy shouted when he plucked it from the top of the pile. Daddy, he's waving to me. My son pressed it against his chest and danced around the coffee table. Daddy, this is so cool. What's his name? My wife looked at the teddy bear and all its battle scars, looked at me, looked back at the bear, looked back at me, and mouthed something like, We need to talk about this. I laughed and shrugged my shoulders. <laughs> She'd understand. She'd fall in love with Teddy the same way I did. I, I don't know, son. Why don't you name it? I'm sure it would love that. My son sat the bear down and watched it start to do somersaults and handstands. <laughs> he clapped and tried to roll along beside the bear, imitating his actions. He was mesmerized by it. My heart wanted to explode the giggles and sounds of amazement coming from him. 
Lucy wrapped her arms around me from behind and snuggled into me. Seriously? Ray, you're crying. What happened? I shook my head. It's nothing, Lucy. I just had a really long day. I didn't get the cake. I'm, I'm really sorry. There was a car crash and a horrible bus ride and... Baby, I just wanted to get home and see you guys. I just... I turned around and took a long moment to gaze into her eyes. I probably hadn't looked at her in exactly the same way for a while because I think she started to blush. Honey, I just want to be with you. I know I've made mistakes. Really bad ones, too. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry about everything. And I just love you so much. Oh, God, Lucy, I miss you. You'll never know just how badly I missed you. I... She kissed me. I closed my eyes and held her amidst the sounds of cartoons and the happiest child playing with a magical bear. The end, right? We lived happily ever after. That's sadly not how it works in the gray rooms. We hadn't noticed that we weren't alone in the house. Randall Wolf, who was calling himself Granny, was suddenly standing there, watching in his daisy print dress and scalp that he had hacked off Elaine Peters. Oh, what a wonderful family! He crooned. You could have at least invited Granny to your son's birthday party, Raymond. <laughs> You've hurt my feelings. Raymond? Who the hell is this? Lucy's eyes widened. Son, get back. You too, Lucy. What do you want, Randall? Lucy reached for my son and picked him up, holding him tight behind me while Teddy stood at my side. If there was going to be a battle, I knew that the bear had my back. As ludicrous as it looked, it was somehow very comforting. I knew that it could fight. Lucy was definitely going to want to have that talk later. What do I want? <coughs> Raymond, it's not about me. It's about the warden. You've made a terrible mess in here, and now he has to clean it up. I'll kill you, Randall. You'll never touch a hair on my family. Maybe not, but I have plenty of friends. He whistled, and I heard the sound of thunder. No. It wasn't thunder. It was something else. Lots of somethings. It sounded like a stampede. And I heard the chitter sounds. The hissing sounds. The sounds of gnashing teeth and scratching claws. They spilled down the chimney in a wave of fur and bright glowing eyes. They pushed themselves out of the vents along the walls. The rats. Memories of the little monsters shredding me to pieces in a trench during World War I instantly came back to me. I screamed. They formed a ring around us now, and towering over them was Randall and his wolf-like grin. 
He stretched his arms out towards the sky and laughed. God is good! Granny replied. God is great. The rats all started to scream and hiss at us as if chanting the same God mantra. God Granny great. continued God is over good. and over again. God is great. God Raymond! Is good. What's happening? Lucy screamed. God is good. I don't know. Lucy! God is good. Stay with me. God I'm, is great. I'm scared too, son. God is good. I'm scared too. The chorus continued until the door flew open and there was a brilliant light that filled the room. That is enough. The rat stopped. Randall Wolf stopped. The light was so bright that our eyes squinted as we tried to make out what it was that came through our door. Daddy's an angel. My son shouted. Hardly. The voice grumbled. It was Bob. Bob had saved us all. Bob had stopped all the monsters. He had saved me. Raymond, you need to stop this nonsense and come with me at once. My gratitude quickly evaporated. What? No way, Bob. I'm staying here with them. This is my family, Lucy and my son. You said they died. They're right here. They're right here. Died? Raymond, what the hell are you talking about? What's going on here? It must have felt like a bad dream to them. One minute, they're just living their day-to-day lives, and suddenly I come home and unleash all the monsters of Hades before them. I wondered if it was worth it again. I turned and looked at them. Lucy. Her beauty. Her bravery. She was holding our son, and she would die before anything happened to him. My son. He looked terrified. But as long as he had his mother and father, he was going to be a big boy. Tough. Like his dad? No. Far from it. His dad was a piece of shit. I was a piece of shit. I just couldn't escape it. I brought this to them. It was my fault. Are you going to tell them, Raymond? No. Bob, please. Don't you dare tell them. Bob? He killed you, Lucy. While you were pregnant, you and your son are dead and buried, mourned by your parents and loved ones. And Raymond, he seems to have found a way to bring you back. But you aren't really back. You are dead. No! That's bullshit, Bob! That's a lie! They're here! I can feel them! I snatched Lucy's hand and heard her cry out in surprise as I squeezed it. I grit my teeth and started waving her hand at Bob. She's alive. I I can feel her, Bob. I can feel her. Raymond, you're hurting me. I stopped and dropped her hand almost instantly. You're ruining everything, Bob. I growled. I could listen to the sounds of static again. It was as if reality itself was cracking 
and I could see the ripples between this world and that of another. The one where I was still seated in an electric chair. The one where I was waiting to die. I'm sorry, Raymond. I asked you not to do this. You didn't listen to me. Bob, you son of a bitch. This is my family. My family. They're real. I love them. I love them more than anything else in the world. Bob, you heartless bastard. What do you know of love? You just kill things. Everything. You're just a cold-hearted murderer. Tears. They were streaming down my face. I didn't understand what was happening anymore. I was losing touch with reality. My family felt as if they were fading away. I, I, did, I didn't want them to. I loved them. If you loved them, you wouldn't have killed them, Raymond. You don't get to have it both ways. That's not how it works. They're gone. Forever. You don't even know if you had a son. You just imagined it. Because that's what you wanted. You don't know that this is what your son would look like. It's all a lie. But it's not mine, Raymond. It's yours. I sank down to the ground. I had never been much of a sentimental man. I didn't cry during sad scenes in movies or heartfelt moments in life. But these rooms... They destroyed me. And after I was left in pieces, they'd build me back up and destroy me again. Did I ever have a chance? Was there ever going to be a possible way for me to get out of this intact? Lucy was crying now. Seeing his mama cry, my son added tears of his own. I don't know if they were crying because they just found out that they were dead or because of how much of a failure I was. A liar. A coward. A murderer. Today was my son's birthday and everyone was in tears. Except for Bob who stood there basking in the outside light from the door. He looked like an angel, but I knew better. I had seen that light many times before when I'd stepped through a door. If I went through that light, I would be back lying on a cold, hard floor. So cold that it burned my skin. No, Bob. Don't take them away. Please. Please, Bob. Bob, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what you want. I don't know what you want. I'm sorry, Raymond. I tried to warn you. Come, Teddy. You don't belong here either. Teddy looked over at me for a long moment. It looked over at my family 
and I would like to think that it considered the empty promise that I had once made to it. I, I don't know what it was thinking. But by the way it seemed to sulk and shuffle as it walked towards Bob's glowing figure told me all that I wanted to know. It had been devastated. Again. I was no different than the first family that it had trusted. That poor bear. Another person that I stepped on in order to get what I want. Go on, Bob told it. Through the door. Teddy softly walked towards the light and then stopped for a moment, looking over at us one last time. I'm sorry, it said. And it was gone. I held my family and leaned over them while we were surrounded by the frozen figures of Randall Wolf and the circle of hundreds of rats in our living room. The happy birthday banner that hung above us suddenly gave way on one side and slowly swung down to the floor. I could barely hear my wife's voice behind the wall of tears. What's going to happen to us? Lucy asked. I don't know. Daddy? Are you a bad person, Daddy? I... I think I am, son. Why? My son asked. Lucy echoed that statement. Why did you do this, Raymond? What's going to happen to us? I don't know. I, I love you all. I, I, I love you. I don't want to lose you. Not again. Please, Bob. Please, Bob. I, I, I love them. Bob no longer addressed me. Pull the switch. My wife screamed. <coughs> My son lost his mind. I shouted. No! As loudly as I could. Blood vessels popped in my eyes, and I didn't hear the end of my screams. I was back in the chair. Lucy's parents were watching me, and I swear I could see George smile. All the patients in the world had a sweet payoff for him. But he didn't know that I brought them back. He didn't know that I had seen his grandson and held him in my arms. I looked next to Lucy's mother. Mouth your obscenities, Caroline. You'll never hear him laugh. You'll never. I watched the light above me. It was flickering. It made tinkling sounds. Those awful tinkling sounds. 
the first 15 seconds. 2,000 volts. You'll never... I tried to hold on to my thought. You'll never... You'll never... Blackness. The smell of burnt flesh. You'll never... No. His name. Everything Ends. Written by Brian Black and performed by some of the most talented individuals I have ever had the privilege to perform with. This was the biggest cast I have ever had to produce, and it was truly awesome to listen to each of their performances. I would also recommend listening through to the end of these credits. There might be a little more from the Grey Rooms for you. Maybe. This story was brought to life by Graham Rowett as Bob, myself, Jason Wilson as Raymond, Christina Wilson as Lucy, Jason Wilson Jr. as Raymond and Lucy's son. That's right, guys. A real five-year-old. Justin Thulu as Father Tucker. Special guest appearance by David Cummings as the officer with the blindfold. David O'Steele as the man bumped into on the street. Warren Richardson as the prison warden. Charlotte Norup as the seated woman. Victoria Wan as the seated woman with the coffee. Aaron Lillis as the little princess Bob. Sarah Ruth Thomas as Teddy. Margaret Ashley as the shopkeeper. Alistair Mackey as the driver of the crashed car. Patrick Mealy as the young man in the hockey jersey. Holly Linden as the middle-aged woman on the bus. Michael Riggs as the Indian man on the bus. Brian Black as Randall Wolf. The townspeople warning Raymond were performed by Michelle Black, Bo Chapel, Aaron King, Augie Peterson, Michael Riggs, Aaron Lillis, Gabe Templin, and Lindsey Kelly. Sound design and audio engineering for this story were by me, Jason Wilson. Music composition and the soul of this very production was J.M. Scherf. Promotional art by Brooks Bigley and Graham Rowett. Episode art by Cassie Pertit. This season ended up being more than anything I could have ever imagined. To think this was a dream turned into a trailer that was literally created in my kitchen that became what it is now, completely amazing. I have met so many wonderfully talented and exceptionally remarkable people on this journey. I never imagined I would be talking about close to 200,000 downloads after this season. I, I was hoping to get about a thousand. So, thumbs up, right? I spent many days running around trying to figure out how to do things I had never done. And it was all because of your faith in what we were doing here. You deserved the most out of us. 
And to say our first season was a success would be a massive understatement. From meeting a friend, an extremely talented author in Brian Black, one of the most wonderfully gifted actors in Graham Rowett, and a true master of their world in J.M. Scherf. I can't believe it. To have met all of you in our Discord and on Twitter. To get to work with you on other projects. Thanks, Brooks. And to have David Cummings read a story, then I get to have a conversation with him? I, I mean, if you would have told me that this would have happened, I, I straight up would have laughed at you, honestly. So I mean it when I say thank you so very much for this. I know that everyone involved has grown from it, and we all appreciate what you have done for it. I know my life is forever changed because of all of you. Thank you to all the authors for your words, and the voice actors and actresses for your otherworldly skills, and to the community as a whole for your support. I am humbled, and I am forever in your debt. Thank you for this. I truly mean it. And we are working on season two, so we hope to see you again pretty soon. Do yourself a favor and stop on over to our Patreon for our in-between season events such as Bane, and we will be back on later this year. Have a wonderful evening, and know you changed lives simply by giving us the chance. So thank you again, and we will see you in a few months. Where am I?